We are in the mood for fantasy football. It is your week five starts it. Just 48 hours away from kickoff. Tommy Garrett and myself, Cody Rourke, we're going to break down some of the action, some of the positional start sits that you must take advantage of this weekend in your fantasy football lives. Tommy, it's great to see you, my man. We had a Thursday night football thriller on, you know, between the NFC West. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson goes down. That'll have some fantasy implications. They're still weighing the options as to whether or not he's going to get surgery. But, man, it's great to see you. Great to be back here once again. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. To be quite frankly, I mean, I thought the only finger issues we were going to have this week was coming out of Urban Meyer. I wasn't expecting him out of both quarterbacks <laughs> last night. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully it gets settled out. He doesn't miss any time. He doesn't lose that streak of not having missed any uh, any games or practices so far. But, yeah, it's, it's it sucks whenever it's two big-name kind of guys. We hope that doesn't carry on into the weekend kind of get these uh, get these games rolling get this week five off underway i don't know if you hear that but that's the sound of fantasy football managers going to get geno smith into their lineups yeah look i i was i was pretty impressed to say for his performance coming in against the rams defense doing what he did yes he threw an interception but i mean yeah. on that play tyler lockett fell down on that and so it's like how much can you really fault geno smith mm-hmm. uh, i was impressed there so you know we'll see if it was yeah. just the 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 adrenaline of getting thrust in there in primetime action, or if uh, in fact if he's going to take over and be there for the next couple weeks, who knows? Obviously, we'll find out more. We'll keep that at ProFootballNetwork.com. But let's get into our Week Five fantasy football starts. It. Let's look at quarterbacks here uh, on the uh, on the list here, and we got Sam Darnold, the Carolina Panthers. They're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. Uh, a lot of storylines here, right? And we were expecting maybe Christian McCaffrey could return, but. He's listed as doubtful now, according to Matt Rule. So uh, this creates a bigger opportunity, I think, for uh, you know our good friend here, Sam Darnold, to go off again. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where we would love to have seen Chris McCaffrey come back. I mean, he was the number one draft pick in 99.9% of fantasy leagues. But you would rather mitigate the risk. Wait for him to be back when he's going to be fully healthy instead of trying to rush him back and lose him for two extra games. They didn't put him on IR for a reason, hoping he would come back. He was going to miss those three. So I'm okay letting him miss one more week. And quite frankly, it's actually been a benefit, if anything, to Sam Darnold inside that red zone where he has those five rushing touchdowns. I don't think we would have seen that same production if you have someone like Christian McCaffrey. Right now, Sam Darnold, he's looking almost like old Cam Newton out there. Uh, But good enough, he's been getting it done in the air. He's got three straight games of over 300 passing yards. Week one, he only had 279. That's been his lowest game of the season so far. QB5 averaging 24.5 fantasy points per game. Takes on the Eagles. We're a fairly mid-range target at the quarterback position. Granted, we're not expecting QB5 numbers out there, but the fact he's still only rostered in less than 60% of leagues and you're getting someone with high-end QB2 upside, low-end QB1, who can put up these games where he might find the end zone once or twice, hey, you can't hardly beat that after all. So, yeah, I would absolutely be starting Sam Darnold this week against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. We know DJ Moore's been his wide receiver one all season long. It's evident he's the, clearly the best talent there at that position. But is this a week that maybe fantasy football managers also look at maybe uh, going with Robbie Anderson? You could, but at the same time, it's one where he hasn't been getting the target volume that you want to uh, try to start and finding and plug into your fantasy lineups. Like wide receiver is the deepest position in the NFL right now. Outside of DJ Moore, it's kind of hard to trust these other guys. You can if you're in a in a deeper format. Robbie Anderson could be that wide receiver three to a flex option depending on your your roster setups yeah i can't blame you for wanting to start him but he's giving you nothing to really hang your head on give him a lot of confidence yeah that makes sense is there what other quarterbacks should fantasy football managers take a look at this week in their starting lineups yeah, I mean, a lot of times you do, you're playing the matchups. It's hard to find a better matchup out there than anyone going up against the Detroit Lions. And Kirk Cousins, look, he did have an off game last week, only had one touchdown, 203 yards, finished up as a QB uh, 27. 
But going into that game, people easily kind of forget that he had uh, 22 or more points in three straight games with his last two games with having over 25 or more fancy points. Takes on the uh, Detroit Lions this week, and in those fat in his five previous games against this team, he has almost 1,500 uh, passing yards and 15 total touchdowns going against him. He already has eight on the season with uh, with no interceptions. He had that heading into into Week Four, so I would actually expect him to have a fairly solid game this week, especially if you do see Dalvin Cook, who's already kind of we're not sure if he's going to play or not. And quite frankly, I don't think they necessarily need him. They know they can get it done with Alexander Madison. I actually don't mind him this week because you don't necessarily need um, Dalvin Cook out there because he is kind of banged up right now. You have Adam Thielen. You've got Justin Jefferson. Tyler Conklin has been playing okay in, in his absence of uh, Irv Smith Jr. So you can actually get by with letting Dalvin Cook rest another week, let the game hand on the uh, on the right arm of Kirk Cousins, and I think he'll be just fine this week. Cousins, for me, actually would be a start right now going up against the Detroit Lions. Oh, I haven't taken him out of my lineup once so far this season, and so far it's paid off. So, you know, Tommy, I'm going to keep him here, especially this week against the Detroit Lions. But now take a look at quarterbacks that maybe fantasy football managers should sit this week. What are some unfavorable matchups at the QB position? I think one you've got to start off with, look, no one should be able to start right now, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, even in Superflex or two quarterback leagues, it's very hard to find a reason to make me say, yeah, start Ben Roethlisberger with confidence. He looks like a guy who probably should have retired last year, and he's actually just bringing down the rest of the offense right now. Going up against Denver, who only allows the second fewest points at the quarterback position, I can't advise starting him. The other guy I would look at, you know, Baker Mayfield. This is a team that has Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and has, has a solid defensive where they don't need Baker Mayfield to be that alpha-style quarterback. I think he absolutely can be, and he'll eventually get that timing and chemistry with Odo Beckham Jr. Once he comes back, he'll get those reps um, together on the game field. We've kind of seen them missing a couple throws here and there. I think they'll get better together, but it's one of those where like they don't need him right now. He's had six straight games of 18 or fewer fantasy points uh, per game, so I would probably lay off of Baker Mayfield for at least one more week. Hopefully better days are ahead for him, and then we can actually plug him back into the lineups as a higher-end QB2 on a very powerful Cleveland Browns offense. Well, geez, in a 14 to 7 dud of an offensive game by them last week against Minnesota Vikings, they're taking on a tougher defense with the Los Angeles Chargers, who really yep. kind of found a way to put a kebab on the Las Vegas Raiders' explosive offense on Monday night football. You love to see that. Derwin James looks great. So, this is one of those matchups that I would definitely avoid as well. Well, not to mention, too, we just found out this week on his non throwing shoulder, he has a partially torn labrum. Obviously, it doesn't have any effect on him as a thrower, but you look, you take some more contact there it may impact your ability to play throughout the season, especially if it gets worse. So yep. hopefully that's not the case here, but let's shift to the running back right now here. Start sit, take a look at some matchups this week. What do you have for fantasy football managers? I think the first one, this guy's a must start, whether you're starting at running back or at receiver, wherever you can plug him in, in your format, Cordero, Cordero Patterson has to find a way onto your team. He scored at least 16 or, P or more PPR points in three straight games, including his blow up last week of 34.6 which surprised me because he only touched the ball 11 times. Like this touchdown efficiency at some point is going to fall off a cliff. And when it does, it could get ugly to a certain point. But right now they made the trip over to London without Calvin Ridley. They made it over there without, without Russell Gaze. Right now, Cordero Patterson might end up leading this team in targets, and it really wouldn't be shocking to me at all. Uh, he's going to be that upper end RB2 wide receiver too, like I said, whatever you can, wherever you can plug him in at, whatever your format is, as far as where they give him positional eligibility, he's he's a guy who absolutely has to get played, because outside of him, you've got Kyle Pitts and Olamade Zacchaeus, that's about it in terms of patch catchers, so yeah, I would absolutely be throwing in Cordell Patterson in your lineups this week. 
Yeah, no, I would as well. You know, not to mention, you know, look, I think the New York Jets defense is a lot better than most people give it credit for. It absolutely and, is. And look, they're coming off of a very impressive win against the Tennessee Titans last week in overtime. But, you know, we talk about volume. We talk about opportunities to get the ball in your hands. Corderell Patterson will probably see, receive a majority share of that between he and Kyle Pitts. He might have the most opportunities for touches in this game. So I think that is a favorable uh, matchup there. But look, we have a Sunday night football thriller, my friend. And look, the Buffalo Bills offense taking on the Kansas City Chiefs and we talk about an offense for Buffalo that really with Josh Allen he hasn't looked like the Josh Allen of last year but the offense is still rolling and that's because they have a run game and they have a dynamic two-back set but one of those guys is Zach Moss against KC you like this matchup I absolutely do if you actually look right now and kind of go back through a little bit of like consistency kind of aspect of it there's through through the first four weeks of the season there have only been three running backs who finished as the top 24 running back in every single game they've played in that's Chase Evans of the Arizona Cardinals that's Darrell Henderson of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and that's actually Zach Moss. And granted, he had that surprise inactive in game one, but for the last three games, he's actually been the RB10 in fantasy football formats, averaging 13.7 opportunities per game and 1.14 fantasy points per touch, which is actually extremely impressive given the fact that he hasn't been getting a lot of work in the passing game. He is in a fairly pure... Um, split with Devin Singletary, who has always been a more explosive style player. But inside that red zone, Zach Boss is getting a lot of a lot of looks um, in there, which is surprising given how good uh, Josh Allen has always been inside the red zone. The Chiefs are actually a very gettable, to a certain extent, um, defense to running backs. They're actually only 28th in fancy points allowed to the position, allowing almost 30 points per game. And they've given up six touchdowns to opposing running backs, including a touchdown on the ground every single game. So Zach Moss in a game that we do expect to be a rather high-scoring affair. Yeah, Zach Moss is a very solid RB2 this week. Well, and there's a matchup in uh, Miami between two Florida teams. And that's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Miami Dolphins. And look, the Miami Dolphins have not been, I think, what many of us had expected of them so far this season. They get to go against <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Could you imagine all the changes there? Obviously, Tua on IR. Yeah. Now you obviously have Will Fuller on IR. It's just a mess right now in Miami. There's a lot of questions at the top level here, but not a favorable matchup for them. But now there's a running back in Tampa Bay and Leonard Fournette. Do you think this is a favorable matchup for him against that Miami defense? Leonard Fournette actually might have top five upside this week. I don't think anyone's really discussing that. He saw 83% of the snaps last week at uh, 20 rushes for 91 yards while adding three receptions on five targets for an additional 47 yards. There is a chance we do see Giovanni Bernard back out here, but Ronald Jones is dead to Bruce Arians and this team. This is the Leonard Fournette backfield. The Miami Dolphins have been able to stop anyone this season. They've allowed six touchdowns to running back so far, and they've allowed four players to rush for over 90 yards, with three of those going for over 100 yards in a game. They're 30th in fantasy points allowed to position, allowing over 30 points per game. We don't expect them to be competitive in this matchup. Give me Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones this week. He's a must-star for me. Like I said, he has top five positional upside this week. Well, and staying here in, uh, obviously, Miami here, it's a bad week if your name first name begins with Miles. <laughs> We're looking at Miles Gaskin taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. They've been very good against the run so far this season. Obviously, stingy there with Vita Vea, Devin Bush, Devin White at the linebacker position. Uh, is this a week that you should sit Miles Gaskin, not to mention just the offensive struggles in general here by the Miami Dolphins? It's a bad matchup in general, but, even in good matchups, like we can't really trust Miles Gaskin. Like he's only seen double digit carries once this season. Last week, it kind of hit rock bottom where he had two carries for three yards and did not see a single target, like zero, zip, zilch, nada, none. Uh, which, in an, if you're playing in a PPR format, with how vital those targets are to a, 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 to a player, 
that's killing his upside. Um, like it's in a, it's in a rather stark contrast to last year where he actually had 18.3 opportunities per game, which was more than Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, even Alvin Kamara. Um, so you're kind of seeing just a very different player, which is someone who I was high on coming into the season. But look, you're never going to bat a thousand in this industry. That's for sure. Uh, this is not a team you want to ever try to run the ball against. There's a reason they face over they face passes on over 70 percent of their plays. So, yeah, Miles Gaskin, you can't play him this week. Well, Miles Sanders is also another one taking on a Carolina Panthers defense that, yes, even though they surrendered over 143 yards to Ezekiel Elliott last week in the Dallas Cowboys, they're angry, they're looking for redemption, and I don't think for the Philadelphia Eagles it's a good formula. I feel like this is going to be a game where we're going to see Jalen Hurts kind of air it out a little bit. But your thoughts on Miles Gaskin against the – I mean, not Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders against the uh, Carolina Panthers defense this week. Uh, you can call them by the same name because they're both on in the same category. They're both a sit for me this week. Miles Sanders surprisingly hasn't even scored a touchdown this entire season. And I think part of it is that prolific rushing ability of Jalen Hurts is kind of taking away some of that upside. He's got 226 rushing yards, which is second only to Lamar Jackson. In fact, he only has 12 fewer yards than Kyler Murray and Josh Allen combined on the ground. In fact, Miles Sanders right now isn't even the start, isn't even the number one running back on his own team from a fancy point aspect. Right now, he's the R back running back 33, where Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie out of Memphis, is a running back 25 because he's seeing more of that passing volume. You're going up against a team right now that's only allowed one rushing, was only allowed one touchdown to opposing running backs, which, like you just mentioned, was Ezekiel Elliott last week. So, yeah, I would be fading uh, Miles Sanders this week. He's a sit for me this week in fantasy football. Well, let's get to the wide receiver position now. In terms of the star category, we have an awesome overseas showdown, obviously in London between the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets, and our, our good friend Ollie Hodgkinson. He's an analyst over here at Pro Football Network. He's boots on the ground here this week, covering that game exclusively for Pro Football Network. You have Corey Davis against the Atlanta Falcons. I like this matchup because what we saw from Davis and Zach Wilson, some confidence from this offensive unit that's struggled yes. so far, especially downfield. I look at Atlanta. I don't think they have the cover guys that can handle Corey Davis specifically. I like this one. I agree, and it's also another one of those little checks in the tally box for the whole revenge game narrative. Corey Davis was going up his former team in the Tennessee Titans. Ended up coming out of the game with four catches for 111 yards on seven targets. Does get that uh, get that big game against him. Like I said, I don't know if Atlanta could be able to hang with him. He's currently the wide receiver 20 in PPR formats, averaging 16 um, yards per reception, 14.9 fantasy points per game. Falcons are 25th right now in fancy points allowed to the position and have already surrendered seven receiving touchdowns to receivers. So, yeah, Corey Davis, he's got that higher-end wide receiver three, low-end QB, uh, low-end wide receiver two upside. Love him this week in this matchup. Well, then let's go with Marquise Hollywood Brown against the Indianapolis Colts defense. And look, a couple of weeks ago, we were saying, what is up with Hollywood Brown? He's dropping passes, and then he's catching passes against the Denver Broncos secondary in week four. Now he takes on an Indianapolis Colts defense that – Man, I tell you what, that, that defense looks rough this year. The Colts look rough in general. I, yeah. I do like this matchup as well. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that the Colts just in general just look rough right now. Um, even having a quarterback dealing with you know two sprained angles, apparently that's carried over onto the defense. But yeah, <laughs> look, Lamar Jackson didn't give a damn when it came to the drop touchdowns because he targeted him last week heavy. Ends up getting 4-7 for 91 yards. In uh, three of his games now, Hollywood Brown's had over nine, 19 fantasy points per game. He's got 326 yards, and he's got four touchdowns. Taking on the Indianapolis Colts this week, who are 18th in, in points allowed to the position. They've also allowed a league-leading 
eight receiving touchdowns, uh, two wide receivers. As his number one target on this offense, I expect Lamar Jackson could end up being the number one uh, quarterback this week. And if he does, that's going to be a big game for Hollywood Brown. So, yeah, fire him up as a wide receiver, too, this week in fantasy football. Oh, man. Well, now the New York Giants, their big offseason acquisition, Kenny Galladay. They finally got him involved in the game plan, more specifically, as the Giants marched in against the Saints, and he had a key catch late in that fourth quarter to help give them a chance to tie the game, send it into overtime. That's exactly what they did. And so you've got him this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And interesting enough, right, because Trevon Diggs, he's playing off to a very hot start so far, Mm -hmm. a potential defensive player of the year early on. What what's the favor in this matchup for you? I think a lot of this comes down to the other absences on the New York Giants offense when you've got Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard who are likely going to be out this game, both dealing with hamstring injuries that they suffered nearly at identical times uh, a couple weeks ago. So I think more comes down to just the volume aspect we're expecting for Kenny Galladay. He saw seven targets last week, caught six of them for 116 yards, scored 17.6 fancy points. If you're playing in a PPR format where I think where volume really is king in this one, it's kind of hard to look away from the guy who they're expecting to be their wide receiver one. Kadarius Tony is another guy who we expect to have to actually have a fairly solid game, who actually led the Giants in targets last week. Um, like I said, it is a more difficult matchup with um, cornerback, especially for him. But I think Kenny Galladay could have a little bit sneaky upside as that wide receiver three, just based on the volume alone. I like Kenny Galladay in this matchup, too. Now let's go to Pittsburgh. Denver Broncos right now, a lot of questions. Look, there was some concern that Drew Locke would be the quarterback for the Broncos this weekend. It appears as more than likely not going to be the case as Teddy Bridgewater was a full participant in Friday's practice, which puts him on track to play on Sunday against the Steelers. This might be some good news for fantasy football managers if you have Tim Patrick in your lineup. Yeah, I think you absolutely have to start Tim Patrick this week. Um, we also talked, we saw where Cortland Sutton apparently just rolled his ankle during practice on Friday. So you're just adding another potential injury into an already when it been a rather decimated uh, lineup. So yeah, Tim Patrick, you have to start him. He's actually been one of our start calls uh, on this show for the past several weeks. The, we know the Denver Broncos love him. He was a big player for him last year when Cortland Sutton went out. And with him now already injured again, you've got Jerry Judy, who could be out up until like the Broncos bye week. Uh, so yeah, I absolutely love Tim Patrick this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who quite frankly are not a good football team. They're entering into an era that they haven't seen since they had Bubby Brister and Neil O'Donnell at starting a quarterback in the late 80s, early 90s. This is a team that's absolutely starting to look to rebuild. The defense has been what's held this team together because the offense constantly can't do anything. You're looking at a guy like, okay, throw Juju Smith-Schuster for an example. He's another one of my sick calls for this week. He has less than 53 yards in every single game this year, and he's been a wide receiver four or worse in every single matchup this week, a matchup this season. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he can't throw anything further than 10 yards down the field. And you've got Juju Smith-Schuster in a very difficult matchup against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Denver Broncos. He's a fade for me, whereas I would be starting Tim Patrick over top of him this week. Well, and speaking of Juju Smith-Schuster, as you mentioned, you have him on the sit list this week going against the Broncos secondary where more than likely he's going to draw the assignment, I would imagine, of Kyle Fuller here. So that would be an intriguing matchup. And I go back to a couple years ago, Juju had a 99-yard touchdown catch against the Broncos. I I remember that vividly. But he's dealing with rib injury still coming off of that. He's limited this week in practice. He should be ready to go. But, you know, you're going across the middle sometimes against a guy like Kareem Jackson. I just don't find that favorable here for Juju. And as you mentioned, Roethlisberger's struggles have been obviously cemented so far this season and their inability to run the football consistently. So I I do agree with you here on Juju. But there is another player, too, Allen Robinson, Chicago Bears wide receiver against the Las Vegas Raiders, which kind of surprised now. Obviously, we found out Justin Fields now the starting quarterback officially for the Chicago Bears. But Darnell Mooney, we know, is dealing with a groin injury. 
Allen Robinson was probably like sounded like the next best guy to get a most, you know, the majority of those rep shares. If in fact, Mooney misses, we don't know his status just yet, but why Allen Robinson sitting this week against the Raiders? I think one of the biggest that we just haven't seen him do much this season. He's the wide receiver 60 right now. He's been a wide receiver four or worse in every single game he's played. Like I'm honestly hoping I'm pulling the reverse jinx. Because I have Allen Robinson on so many of my lineups, and I want to start him because I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and he's one of the elite wide receivers that doesn't get the respect that he deserves. I hope this whole situation doesn't get Matt Nagged, where he just goes and screws this whole thing up. <laughs> I want Justin Fields to succeed, and I think he absolutely can, especially now that he's gotten a full week of reps um, under his belt. But it's one of those where, let me see it. Let me yeah. see it, and then I know I have a secure wide receiver two to throw in my lineup every single week. I would rather, I would feel more comfortable knowing that I have that moving forward than take the risk of another dud performance this week. Uh, no more naggy negligence, please. I know Chicago Bears fans please. are hoping for the same I thing, but I can't handle it anymore. Going to Miami, obviously, a match against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary. They have been decimated by injuries, but you got Devontae Parker listed here. Is this a product of their, their opponent or is it more so a product of their own offensive doing? Can I say yes? Yes. Um, it's it's <laughs> I love quite it. simply, yes. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they're a struggling team. Like we kind of talked about when we hit on Miles Sanders. Like, yes, you've got Will Fuller who was injured and banked up. Um, but at the same time, you've got Jacoby Brissett under center, which I don't think any of us are necessarily excited for. Will, uh, Devontae Parker did play well last week. He did find the end zone for the first time uh, this season. Got 77 yards on four receptions on nine targets. But at the same time, he is someone who is touchdown dependent. If you look at his game since 2018, he's been a wide receiver three or worse in 62% of those. He only really is a startable asset when he's finding the end zone. Now, the counter to that is going to be, okay, you're taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have been decimated through the air. They're dead last in fancy points allowed to receivers, giving up over uh, 53 points per game, and they're allowing 330 passing yards. But at the same time, we have to look at who they've also played because I don't think any of us are going to put the Miami Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett in the same air at this point as Dak Prescott on the Dallas Cowboys and Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they're also a team that you can't run the ball against and teams fade away from. It's like we talked about when we, um, earlier. They faced uh, passes on over 70% of their runs. So they're just getting – it's being fed by volume in this passing game. I just have a hard time seeing the Miami Dolphins take advantage of this, especially if that offensive line doesn't hold up and you've got these dominant uh, front, this dominant defensive front for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If they can generate pressure, he's going to have a hard time getting the ball downfield and stretching it vertically to Devontae Parker, which is where someone like, you know, Jalen Waddle or Mike Gazeki could find a little bit more success this week. So when a, and a guy who's going to, I feel more touchdown dependent than I think he does get some credit for, I would probably be fading Devontae Parker this week. Although, like I said, the matchup could very well end up being favorable and couldn't have been a bite me in the butt. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those tricky ones where you don't know where it could go because, I mean, like you said, you can yep. see the Jacoby Brissett just not have any time in that defensive front getting home. And look, if your pressure by your defensive front is good, it doesn't matter how bad of a secondary you have. Exactly. If the ball's not coming out to where it's supposed to go, it creates more opportunities for the defense than it does the offense. Pressure hides inefficiencies in the secondary. It's been a mm -hmm. thing with the NFL and football in general for as long as the game's been played. They have one of the best yeah. defensive lines. The Dolphins have one of those more struggling offensive lines. Well, even going back to the Super Bowl last year, too, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay secondary wasn't that great, but they found a way to get pressure. And look, Patrick Mahomes could do anything. And obviously, they and couldn't even score a touchdown. And it forced the Chiefs to completely rebuild their entire offensive line in the offseason.
Don't you love that? I mean, you get to see that's the thing about football. One game can completely change the trajectory of your entire offseason plans there for the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw that. But now let's wrap things up here with the tight end position. Who do you have this week on your starts? Uh, first one we'll start off with is actually a game we already talked about with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's head over, take a look at Dawson Knox, the tight end for the Buffalo Bills. He scored in three out of his and three games in a row. He's got four touchdowns over that span. Last week he took on Houston which quite frankly looks more like Bishop Sycamore and a team that needs to be relegated than an NFL franchise. They pretty much restarted uh, the whole franchise building process when they became an expansion team. Uh, but look, he had a season high eight targets. He had five or seven for 37 yards, had two touchdowns. He has been that touchdown upside at some point that is going to taper off like touchdowns are not a sticky stat but the thing i love about is he has seen an increase in targets every single week had uh, seven over his first two games and he has 13 over his last two games so i do love his matchup the chiefs are actually giving up in what should be a high scoring affair they've allowed the fourth most points to tight ends at 16.95 fancy points per game and at a position that can be hard to find uh high quality uh options dawson knox is one of those and another one we kind of talked about look Mike Gusecki, we just kind of talk about that, finally having a hard time possibly getting those deep targets options. Mike Gusecki is one you can kind of look at this week as that kind of dump-off safety blanket. Um, in the last two games with Jacoby Brissett, he's got 18 targets, 15 receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown, and he scored 16 PPR points or more in both of those games. Uh, Tampa Bay, like I said, you can get him in the air at certain points, and I think this is one of those matchups in the game where I would actually target going against the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Mike Gusecki. Well, the final one you have here on your sit list is New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram, who obviously made his return in the last couple of weeks, dealing with that calf injury he suffered in the preseason. Uh, why this week? And I, I think I probably know the answer based on looking at that defense for Dallas. Look, I think Dan Quinn has done a fantastic job. And so far, yep. the opponents that Dallas has played, they've also kind of matched the ability to kind of go back and forth with Tampa Bay, with the Chargers. I mean, that was what I was excited about here. So I can see maybe why you put Evan Ingram here. Yeah, I think it's one of those two where – he just doesn't look like the same player we've always seen. Like, yes, he's out there on the field, but I don't think any of us would say that he's necessarily at 100%. Um, he's got seven targets. I mean, I'm sorry, he has seven receptions on 12 targets for 48 yards in his two games back this year, but he just doesn't seem like that explosive player that we've always seen. Um, he's a guy who kind of struggles with drops from time to time, although that's completely overblown in the fantasy, asp in the fantasy aspect of things. Uh, but yeah, Dallas has been a fairly solid defense in some areas now granted they've given up points to tight ends they're actually 25th most in points allowed to the position but it's one of those words i think it's more of who they played and the mat and the way they've matched up and schemed against them than i think it is a reflection on them against the position as a whole so for me like i said i would look more towards like your kenny galladay um your uh Kadarius tony even like you know your um Saquon Barker come out of the backfield than it would in terms of pass catcher options and trying to fade evan ingram a little bit more at the tight end position this week well, and even coming off of a, a soft tissue injury, it could take some yep. time for him to get fully ramped up back to where we expect because the Evan Ingram I know is elusive. He's versatile. You can put him yes. in the slot. You can put him outside. I just don't think he's going to be ready for that. And I think that, you know, Joe Judge is, I think he's done as good of a job as he can with the situation here with Jason Garrett. I want to continue to see the offense evolve. And we're looking at seeing Saquon get, you know, a lot more run. He's looking like himself a little bit more recently. Yeah. And obviously with Kenny Galladay, you love to see him get more involved. Ever since that sideline spat on Thursday night football against the Washington football team against Kenny Galladay and Jason Garrett, you love to see it. He's been involved more. So, yes, Evan Ingram, I would be very cautious on him as well. But it's that Tommy whole squeaky wheel uh, narrative with Kenny Galladay. 
Yes. I mean, I mean, that's where you go to as well, because Galladay playing in Detroit, you know, yes, you get Matthew Stafford. You only play with Daniel Jones, who the pressure's on him. And I don't think Daniel Jones has been playing as bad as a lot of people have said. I've watched him in the last last few weeks here. There's things that he's doing really well, but it's also just a product of where the offense is at in general. When you lose so many guys, when you have injuries on the offensive line, it impacts your whole morale as a unit and you have to build that up. And I don't know if Jason Garrett's the guy that's going to inspire that, but. I mean, you know, Jones has been solid for fantasy. He's a QB8 so far this year. So, hey, you like it because he can get you points with his arms. He can also get you points with his legs. And, you know, as when long as he's, he's not, not tripping. Face first. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> man, we haven't That's seen that yet. So he's, that. he's redeeming himself with that. But, Tommy, my man, it's been so great to talk with you here today. Obviously, your NFL Week 5 fantasy football starts sit. And we're also going to have you cover all throughout the week. And as things may change on the injury side of things with some of the players who are questionable leading into Sunday's matchups. Be sure to check out Tommy and all of our amazing fantasy football analysts and directors content work over there, profootballnetwork.com. I'm Cody Rourke speaking for my good friend Tommy Garrett. We'll see you on Monday for the injury report following week five of fantasy football.